So we've been talking about um, the promise. We've been talking about God's promises, and what we've been doing is we've been following uh, Joshua all the way from chapter 1 when God uh, approaches Joshua and he says, uh, you know, uh, be strong and courageous. He tells him three times, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And he reminds him, hey, Moses, my servant's dead. It's not him anymore. You can't hide under Moses anymore. It's you. It's your turn. It's your turn to lead, uh, lead my people into the promised land. So the first week we talked about possessing that promise and, and the things that we have to do to possess that promise. That we, that we you know what, we need to step out. Just like the, the, the people of Israel once more had to step into that river, had to cross that Jordan, that it wasn't until that they got in, you know, to the water that God worked the miracle and allowed them to cross. Then last week, you know, uh, we talked about that spiritual warfare. We looked at what was against them. See, sometimes we think as Christians that it's just all roses, right? We just think God's got me. He's got my back and everything's going to be great. I thought that when I became a Christian, um, and especially into my young, really young adult, adult life, I just thought everything was going to be great. I thought once you become a Christian and once you live this life of, of Christianity, everything gets easy for you. Boy, was I wrong, right? And you see this even in the life of Joshua. God says, hey, there's a land over there. It's yours. I've promised, you, promised it to you, but you're going to have to fight for it. These people aren't going to relinquish it very easily. In fact, there's giants in the land. But listen, here's the promise. I'm going to be with you. I'm going, I'm going to give you the victory. You already have the victory. Just trust in me. That's all you have to do. And so last week, we kind of talked about that spiritual warfare. And I believe that God's promised you all things. But what happens is the enemy comes and what does he do? He discourages Oh, there's giants in the land. You know what? Maybe I'm just going to bow out of this. Maybe that's not what God had for me. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. The minute you start stepping out, the minute you start trusting in God, the minute you start kind of following him in this relationship, the enemy comes right in and wants to discourage you. I've felt it. I know you felt it. And to be honest with you, it's in those times that we need to go, you know what? We need to stand and we need to remember the promises and we need to remember when God says, be strong and courageous. Why did he say that? Because he knew that's what was going to happen to you. So don't be discouraged. And when the enemy comes and he presses in on you, remember that you have the authority, that God has already told you that he's with you. But he's already told you that you're going to have the victory. So today, though, we're going to get a little bit deeper and we're going to get a little bit more serious. And we're going to talk about the promise, but what keeps us from the promise. And there's that three-letter word that begins with S. It's sin. It's not what else you're thinking of. It's sin. That three-letter word, sin, I set you up. I totally set you up. This whole table right here has lost it over here. <laughs> totally set you up. But I want to remind you of this promise, because this seems to be the one that just brings a lot of clarity. 1 John 2.25. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Perspective, you guys. Perspective. Too often we walk around and we seem to have those little horse 
blinders on, you know what I mean? So we're, that we only kind of just seem to see what's right in front of us, and we don't seem to have the big picture. We kind of make decisions, right, based on what I'm going through, what I'm feeling today. What, you know, I wake up this morning, and oh my gosh, I'm already feeling awful, I'm already tired, I'm already, I haven't, my day hasn't even begun. And we start to make decisions based on that. But if we can stop for a moment, and if we can go up to the, you know, what do they call that, the higher elevation, you know what I mean? The, the, the big, you know, looking up from, the, from God's level. And if we can look at all eternity, that's what God is promising us. Listen, your eternity is secure. Your eternity is secure. It should then help dictate the decisions you make in the here and now. If you know that your eternity is secure, then you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. But what keeps us from the promises? I have a couple questions for you, and I hope they get answered. I hope you answer them. But here, here's, here's three. What is keeping you from the blessings life has to offer? What is keeping you from having an intimate relationship with the one who created you? What is keeping you from, from being successful in life? What, what do you think the things, and by the way, there's several answers, but I am going to just talk about maybe one. Maybe one. Today, I also want to talk about confession and forgiveness. But first, I want to share with you guys a story of kind of the, something that helped kind of put it all into, into context for me, kind of painted the, the picture. About four years ago, um, my wife and I, every year, we go to this place called Mount Hermon. It's a, it's a Christian camp, all right? It's not actual camping. We get a nice, like, hotel room type lodging type thing. It's really, really fun. So I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, when vacation comes, I seem to just flip the switch and I'm in this other mode, right? I, I don't care about exercise anymore. I don't care about eating right anymore. I don't actually don't care about much anymore when I'm on vacation because I'm on vacation, right? I'm on vacation. You kind of throw caution out the wind, right? You don't care how much money you spend on vacation. You're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm wealthy. I'm rich. So let me tell you this one story. We go on vacation and I even said this before we left. I am going to eat everything and anything that I see. That was just, I was just going to splurge. I was going to have this week where if, man, if it looked good, I was going to eat it. All right? All right? So you can already see where this is going. So it starts by, um, we, we have to drive from Southern California all the way up to uh, Santa Cruz, and we do all these stops, and we always find these little places to stop and let the kids run around and, of course, eat. Well, the first place, one of the first places we stop at is a um, place called Firestone uh, Restaurant, and they have one of the best, like, Santa Maria-style tri-tip sandwiches, right? And remember the, the promise I made with myself, if I saw it, I was going to eat it. So sure enough, and by the way, they pile it on. They don't give you, like, a strip. They gave, gave me, like, dozens of strips of tri-tip sandwich, right? And so it's these big, thick pieces of sandwich, and I'm like, oh, it's, this is it. It's on. It's happening. So I stuffed my face. I, I had, you know, nice big Coke and, you know, washed it down. Oh, that was great. So anyways, we get, up to, we get up to camp, and the first thing they do is once we got up there, they feed you, right? By this way, just a little promo of, of Mount Hermon. If anybody ever wants to go, they feed you constantly, okay? They feed you constantly, and it's all, it's all inclusive. Caden's excited. Saw him back there. He's pumping his fist. So we get up there, 
And it's a, uh, the first thing they do, it's an open barbecue. And they're barbecuing everything. Chicken, uh, ribs, uh, hot dogs, uh, hamburgers, uh, and, I mean, you name it, they were barbecuing it. Guess what? I got one of everything. Because remember the promise I made with myself, if I see it, I'm going to eat it. I mean, this is vacation. I don't get to do this all the time. I'm going to eat it. So I did. My plate literally had every, in fact, I even did, I even Instagrammed, look at my plate, right? I'm telling you, I'm totally setting myself up for a disaster. So I, and I, by the way, I ate everything on that plate. So they have, Mount Hermon has this place that they call the fountain, all right? And the fountain is the ice cream parlor, the candy shop, the snack place, you know, whatever. So we go in there, and I'm like, all right, it's on. What do we got here? And I locked in on, by the way, I'm a, I'm a peanut butter fanatic. I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter and everything, and you know, I love the peanut butter. And I found a peanut butter chocolate malt, okay? By the way, you turn a peanut butter chocolate malt over, it doesn't move. Okay, so the first night had one. I mean, this this big, and boy, it was it was so good. Second night had another one. Third night, okay, third night, I went to lie down. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I'm not joking. I couldn't breathe. I literally was taking little small breaths. Now, by the way, my mind didn't go to oh, I've been eating a lot. That's not where my mind went. My mind went to, oh my gosh, I'm dying. Something's wrong, and I don't know what it is. So I'm having these, these shortness of breath, and I know in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I'm having a, an allergic reaction because I have a, a really bad allergies, and um, I'm thinking well, I'm out in the, the woods, and you know things are really bad. I must be having an allergy attack. So I wake up my wife, and this is what I wake her up to. Honey, don't worry, but I can't breathe. <laughs> She's in a deep sleep. She's in a deep sleep. Honey, don't worry, but I can't breathe. I know that she has sports-induced asthma, so she always keeps one of those inhalers with her. I said, I may need your inhaler. Okay, I have never taken an inhaler before. I did not know what an inhaler was, okay? Did not understand that it is a basically steroid shot. It's something that literally gets your heart pumping. So I stupidly, she's, again, half asleep. She hands me her thing. And I go, what do I do? She goes, well, you just, you know, breathe it in. So I do that, right? Well, I literally go from calm to now my heart is beating out of my chest. I'm feeling tingling. Now I'm thinking I'm having a heart attack. I'm having, I'm dying. I am here at Mount Hermon in the, you know, holiest place in California, and I'm dying. So I go outside, and I'm panicking, and I'm running around. So my wife doesn't know what else to do, but so she calls 911, all right? The, the, uh, they come up to Mount Hermon. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. They pick my wife and I up. They drive us down to Santa Cruz Hospital. And, and guess what happens? It all comes back up. Probably the last three days was what it looked like. Came back up. And guess what? I felt better. <laughs> I could breathe. So what I found out later after talking to some doctors and after talking to some nutritionists and things like that is, yeah, there was probably several things going on. You were probably having a gallbladder attack. You were probably having this. You probably all due to you eating of what you were eating and literally just like all that stuff that I was eating, my body couldn't break it down. And so I was just, I felt 
really ridiculous. I, you know, totally went on kind of a diet after that. And not, not eating diet, but just, you know, trying to eat really healthy things. And I felt like the Lord gave me this picture. He said, Matthew, sin's kind of like that. That's kind of like how, how sin just kind of, at, at first, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be super harmful, but really as you just kind of engage in it, as you just kind of allow it more and more and more in your life, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Even though at first it may not look like, well, well, who is this hurting? In fact, if anything, I was, you know, I was celebrating. I was on vacation. This is all great things. But what I didn't know I was doing is I was totally overburdening my body with just way too much and it couldn't handle it. And I felt like God just gave me this picture that that's what sin kind of does when, when, when we don't address it. When we just continue to go on and continue to kind of stay in those same patterns and do those same things over and over again, Matthew, eventually it will catch up with you. As gracious as I am and as loving as I am, that's just how it goes. You can't get away with sin. And that's kind of what I, I want to talk to you about today is, you know, what are those things that get in the way of God's promises? And to be honest with you, sometimes it's really poor choices. Sin's course started with Adam and Eve, the very, very first sin. That, that when God said, don't eat of this fruit, and then they went and eat it, it's just disobedience. It's disobedience to God, you guys. So I want to look again at Joshua, and there's this story, and it's right after Jericho. So if you have your Bibles, go to Joshua chapter 7. I'm going to kind of read through it because it's kind of a, a real meaty, uh, a, a real long part. I'm going to kind of read it quickly, but um, it's, it's the battle and the defeat at Ai. And it's right after Jericho, okay? So they've just celebrating. They are celebrating. They just completely destroyed one of the largest cities around. The, you know, the city of Jericho, they've completely taken it over, and they've got to be just reveling in that. But then this is what happens almost immediately afterwards. So let's look at Joshua chapter 7. Again, I'm going to try to just read it real quickly because it's, it's meaty. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, Hey, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not worry all, worry all the people there, for the people of Ai are a few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, and, but they, uh, I'm sorry. So uh, verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up there from, uh, from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men. For they chased them from before the gate as far as the Shebarim and, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. 
he and the elders of Israel, and they, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought these people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut us off in your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Now remember, they had just come off this great win. But here's little Ai. Ai is not Jericho. It's not the big massive city. It's not the fortified, right? In fact, they even send out some spies and the spies came back and said, hey, we got this. In fact, don't even send everybody. Just send a small troop of us because that's, you know, it, we, we've got this thing in the bag. So, of course, Joshua, you know, sends him. But what Joshua didn't know was that there was sin in the camp. So, verse 10. So, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they've even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. So listen, God was giving them the victory over Jericho, but they weren't supposed to plunder it. They weren't supposed to take things. There were certain, you know, were, there were certain things God said, listen, do not touch this. But there was, you know, there was someone who basically disobeyed God. Right? Going back to that sin, that sin of disobedience, completely disobeyed God. Not only did he take it, but we're going to find out even what he did with it. Verse 12, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they had become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel. There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed things from among you. I just kind of want to pause there for a second. You see, as Christians, sometimes we kind of live these like dual lives. There's the Sunday morning Christian, you're right. There's the, you know, hanging out with the other Christians life that we put on. But then, but then after Sunday and Monday comes, you know, I, I used to work for a, a gentleman and he was a Christian. In fact, I even went to church with him and he owned his own uh, landscaping company. Boy, Monday, he turned into a different person. He owned the place, but he used to run around this place cussing at everybody, yelling at everybody. I mean, and I'm not talking just like, you know, hey, come on, everybody, like, let's get moving and let's get to work. I mean, this guy would lay into people. He would hammer people. He would scream. I finally kind of, I, I, I was hoping that him and I, you know, had enough friendship. I kind of pulled him aside and I said, what, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And he said, oh, Matthew, you don't understand the stress I'm under. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. And I thought to myself, you know what I mean? That, that's kind of that picture of on Sunday mornings, you know, he was, the, he was the smiley guy, you know, he was there talking with that boy. And then on Monday, boy, it was like he, he flipped the switch. Verse 14, in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribes which the Lord takes shall come according to the families. I'm going to kind of, it's a lot, but I'm going to kind of tell you what happens. So basically, they take all of Israel, they divide them up in their tribes, and they say each tribe is going to walk by, you know, Joshua. 
And God's going to say, okay, that's the tribe. And then once that tribe goes, okay, then that's the family group. And then once that family group, they're, going to, they're basically going to narrow it all the way down. So verse 20, Achan, they narrow it all the way down to a guy named Achan. Okay, not Clay Achan, different Achan. Verse 20, and Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent, the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and sure enough, that's what they found. And as we, as we read on, Joshua had him stoned. Joshua had him killed. But here's what I want to talk about. First, why was Achan's punishment so severe? Why was it punishment so severe? Why, why is it that, you know, we're not, you know, we don't see that? I mean, to us, they'd be like, oh, that, well, I've done that, right? I've stolen or I've, you know, lied or I've, you know, whatever it is like that. We kind of feel like this kind of looks like not that big of a deal. But let me kind of tell you why it is a big deal. First of all, it's sin. It's disobedience. I saw something on, someone posted something really, really good. We, we need to, first of all, we need to understand that there isn't all these like levels of sin that your sin, you know, is, is a lot less, oh, because I don't murder, you know, I don't do this or I don't do that. So there's certain levels, you know, that, that person's holier because he doesn't do this or, you know, whatnot. Sin is sin, you guys. Disobedience is disobedience. God looks at it at all the same. And sin equals death. In Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin, that means the payment for our sin is death. But then there's a promise. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Also, why was Achan's sin, you know, uh, so severe? Why, why was his punishment so severe? He was under the law. See, we aren't under the law anymore. We're under a, a, the new covenant of Jesus. But he was still under the law. And capital punishment in the Old Testament was usually stoning. And that's exactly what happened to Achan. Also, on top of that, if, if there couldn't have been some form of mercy, they were also in a time of war. They were at war, you guys. We talked about it last week. Spiritual warfare. We need to not mess around with it. We need to not take chances. We need to not take shortcuts. They were in a time of war. And in Joshua 1.18, it says this, whoever rebels against your command is not, and does not heed your words, this is God talking to Joshua, and all that you command him shall be put to death, but only be strong and courageous. Listen, they were in a time that there was no messing around. And can I be very honest with you? I feel like we're back in a time like that. I feel like the, the, the season that we're in in life, I feel like the spiritual warfare that's going on around, I feel like just the attack that's happening on the church and the attack that's happening upon God's people, I feel like, you guys, we can't mess around anymore. It's no time to cut corners. It's no time to, hey, you know what, though, I'm going to keep these little things right here because they're not the big sins. You know, they're not the big ten, right? They're just the little stuff over here. God's saying, no, this is a time of war. This is a time to get serious. This is a time to press in. This is a time to not mess around. Who did, who, who did Achan's sin affect? Who did it affect? Well, first of all, it affected himself, 
right? He died. He paid the ultimate price for his sin. A lot of the times we, we make the, well, who, who am I hurting when I'm doing this? Who am I really, really? Well, and maybe it's just me. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just me. His family, his family was affected. They, the, the loss of, of their husband, the loss of their father, the loss of their livelihood, the one that was supposed to take care of them. You know what I mean? His decision affected an entire family. So it wasn't just him. And how many of you know that? How many of you, you know, grew up in a home where, you know, your parents weren't making wise choices and it affected everybody? It affects your whole future. In fact, I still live under the decision my parents made when they got a divorce so many years ago. I'm still living with the repercussions of that. And then, of course, his people. His decision affected the whole nation of Israel. Verse 11, the death of the 36 men. 36 men went on to fight for him, for his, you know, blessing, for his protection. They went on to fight for him, and they gave up their lives for a man who, you know, while everybody else was doing what God said for one guy that thought he could do whatever he wanted, those men lost their lives. So the next time that you're making a decision... And the next time that you know that you're in complete disobedience to God, remember this, you're not just affecting yourself. You're affecting everyone. In fact, it even takes a toll on God's people. It even takes a toll on us, the church. So what can we learn from Achan? Well, Achan disobeyed. He was out for personal gain or personal satisfaction, and then he hid his sin. So how can we not be an Achan? Well, first of all, listen, you guys, we need to obey. We need to obey. 1 Samuel 15, 22, but Samuel replied, he's talking to King Saul, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. Saul was kind of getting into this whole thing. King Saul thought, hey, well, I, I know what to do, and I could do it. But he was completely out of alignment, even though what he was doing looked holy. And by the way, there's a lot of Christians who do that, who walk around, and they do everything that looks holy. But really, their heart, they're being disobedient to God. They're not really, truly following the heart of God. So we need to obey, you guys. We need to live this life of obedience. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. But what kind of pain? There, there, there's two types of pain. There's either that pain of change, right? That pain like, you, you know, when you start working out. How many of you, you know, when you start working out, it's really painful, kind of taxing on your body. Or when you first start, you know, a, a diet or when you first start something new, it's kind of hard, you know, a new job or something. Or there's the pain that Aiken had to go through, which was just simply death or simply you know, the, the, the pain of having your sin finally, you know, revealed and God finally dealing with you. Listen, you can decide right here and right now to simply obey God. The second is to trust in him. You see, Achan didn't trust God. Obviously, Achan didn't think that God was going to take care of him. Or Achan didn't think that God had his best interest in mind because why would he have felt like he needed to take something that he was told not to take? God was giving them the land. He was giving them the land. Why did Achan feel like he needed to take something for himself? He didn't trust God. And we do that. That's something I still, even to today, I still wrestle with. That 
God, am I going to trust you? Even when it doesn't look good, or even when it looks bleak, or even when it looks like, why is that guy seem to be doing better than me, or seem to be all the, you know, reaping all the rewards and not me? I need to trust in God, because if he told me to do it, then I need to do it. And here's the, the, the third thing. Don't hide your sin. Don't hide your sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, you have an opportunity. When we, you confess your sin, then you won't necessarily have your sin plastered all over, you know, the news. It's those people that hide their sin, hide their sin. We've seen them, we've, especially those, you know, I think the thing that breaks my heart the most is, are those, uh, you know, Christian leaders you know, when you, you, you hear about something, you hear about they were mismanaging money or infidelity or something like that. I mean, it breaks my heart. But listen, you know, that's unconfessed sin. And, and they thought they could hide it, and they thought they could hide it, and they thought they could hide it. And then eventually God says, yeah, you know what? It's going to be because you didn't deal with this, like Achan, because you hid it, it's going to be plastered all over. And it's going to affect the entire church, not just even your personal church. Listen, why do we hide our sin? It's shame. It's shame. Shame from God, shame from others. Why do we hide? But listen, we must remember this. We must remember that we've all sinned and that we all need a Savior. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. I, I, I put something here. Chuck, will you, will you help me with this? I, maybe some of you have seen this. Maybe some of you have it. I Thought it'd be fun. You can grab that side, yeah. Go ahead, pick it up. Pick it up. Got it. Put it right. There, awesome. Can everybody see this? Can everybody see this? So, of course, I, I came out of like children's ministry and youth ministry, and I, I love visuals and I love things like that. And I've, I've seen this. I just thought it was so, so powerful. But you see, this, I want to show you. What sin does, but then what confession and forgiveness does, especially through the blood of Jesus. See, this, this cup represents you, right? Look at that. Nice, clean glass of water. But the Bible says this, that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that haven't sinned. And, and sin comes in our lives and just seems to muddy the water, right? And there's nothing that you on your own power can do. In fact, sometimes we seem to just kind of keep compiling our sin and, and, you know, it just seems to get worse and worse and worse and worse. But then, God makes a promise. God sends his one and only son, Jesus Christ, down to this earth. And you know what? The payment for, for sin is still death. And you know what? Jesus became that payment for us. And when he died on the cross, when his blood was shed, something happened. When we receive it, when we believe it, this is what happens to our sin. This is what God does to us. He takes it away. You see, once they covered their sin, once when the, the, you know, they would take lamb's blood and they would, they would cover their sin, but no longer will our sin be covered. In fact, our sin will be washed away. But then I want to show you another step. 
For those of you Christians who just, you've been laboring and you've been laboring and you just feel like you're, you're under those attacks and you kind of feel like those old things try to creep up, let me show you the power of God's blood in your life. That when sin starts to creep back, guess what? It has no effect on you. It has no more hold on you. You like that, Caden? You like it? Yeah, I knew you. That was for you. This was for Caden, just so you know. This was all for Caden this morning. No, I'm just... You guys, Jesus, Jesus loves us. And we don't have to live under that weight of guilt and of shame and of brokenness and walking around, you know, with our heads low. That we have been set free. And if there's something that I've, I've learned in my personal life, it's confession. It's confession. And if you think it's something that I don't, I don't do anymore just because I simply have the title of pastor over me, I, I, I'll tell you right now that it's not true. I still have to daily, and, and, and you know, I have people that I know I can trust that I can go to and confess my sins. You see, there, there's two types of confession. There's confession to God. And by the way, this is also something I struggled with as a Christian. Once you are forgiven, you're forgiven. I used to think that if I, you know, in my younger years, I used to think that, okay, God forgave me, but if I went out and I sinned again, that, oh, I had to, I had to get back to God and I had to ask for forgiveness again because if, if uh, you know, by chance I got hit by a bus or something like that, I was going to go straight to hell, okay? That's not true. Once you have received Jesus Christ into your life, once you have believed what Jesus did you know, on the cross, and once you have, you know, become a follower, a disciple of him, you are forgiven once and for all. You don't have to keep coming back, you know, for like these checkups, you know, with him, or, okay, God, I did it again, you know, like I showed you. It's once and for all, and even when sin tries to come back, your sins are still forgiven you. But here's the type of of confession that brings healing on a day-to-day basis. It's that confessing to one another. I have people in my life that I know I can go and I can confess my sins, that I can talk with, that I can say, hey, you know what, this week, yeah, I failed. And you know what? There's no condemnation. There's no, you know, finger wagging or anything like this. They simply pray with me, you know, God's word. They remind me of God's word. His mercies are new every morning. But listen, we need to get into that habit of that. So I want to ask you something as the church. You are the church, and I want to ask you something, because I, like Joshua, I want to conquer the land. I want to go forth, and I want to, you know, bring, you know, the people in, because there's other people who are out there who are broken, who need you, in fact, in their lives. But I want to ask you something. I would ask that you would take a serious inventory of what you got, you know, in your life. And if there's... If there's something or, or even if it's a couple things and it pops up into your mind, you know what? I want to encourage you. Don't let anything hold you back from the promises that God has for you. Now, by the way, I'm also, saying, I'm also not saying that, you know, there, that all of you in here, you have all got hidden sin and things like that. I am not at all saying that. I'm just saying it's good to take a daily inventory of just, you know, that heart of David. You know, search me. Search me, oh God. You know, fine. Is there anything in me? Is there anything in me? 
Because I know even as I was, you know, there were times in my life I thought I was doing great. But, but really, eventually, it took kind of the Holy Spirit to reveal, Matthew, you're still holding on to this. You're still holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness over here, Matthew. That's kind of that hidden, you know, that, you know what, what is it? What is it? Just let that be between you and God. We're not, we're not going to have, we're, you know, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to have you raise your hand. We're not going to have you, you know. But make that a prayer of yours this week. You know, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. As David said, cast me not away from your presence, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I love that prayer. I love that psalm. Gary, will you come on back up? We're going to go back into just one more worship song. In fact, we're going to sing that song, right, Gary? And listen, I just want to encourage you in this time, in this moment, if there is anything, if there is anything, and by the way, if, if you're not sure, ask the Holy Spirit to prompt you. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And as you just ask the Lord for forgiveness, as you just ask the Lord to, you know, to continue to cleanse you, which again, remember, you, you're already saved. You're already forgiven. It's not like you have to come back and you have to win God's favor again. That, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't hide anything anymore from him. Because by the way, he already knows it's there. And don't let it hinder you from what God has for you. That's what I'm trying to say. So Lord, use this moment, use this time together just to whatever it is that you got to confess, whatever it is that you got to. And then here's, here's the second thing. Find somebody you trust, preferably a man with a man and a woman with a woman, but find somebody you trust that you know, that you know that you could share some, maybe some intimate things with. That's where healing will happen. When we confess our sins to one another, that's where healing will happen. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Trust God. Let him do great and mighty things in you. He has promises for you, you guys. He has promises for you. He's got great things for you. He's got a great work for you. I'll tell you right now, just simply as being his church, you guys, there's a dying world out there. And you know what? We need to put on our oxygen mask first before we can turn around and put on the oxygen mask of the person next to us. So let God heal you. Let him touch you. Let him cleanse you. Let him forgive you. Let him make you holy. Those are his promises. Don't be ashamed. Don't live in fear. Trust God. Let's just sing this last song together. Gentlemen.